0: You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megidoradio.com. That's megidoradio.com.
1: Welcome, this is Paul Flynn with Magidda Radio for Tuesday the 28th of January 2020. Thank you for tuning in. On tonight's program, we're going to be looking at uh, Chris Volatin and a sermon that was put out a few weeks ago on, initially on the Bethel Channel. That's Bethel Redding, California. I'll give a bit of background for those people who are not exactly, um, who don't know who they are and... If anybody is in the chat room, yep. Yeah, thank you so much for my wonderful wife for letting me know that uh, everything's working well so far. Sometimes it's hard to tell um, if you're listening to this via podcast and this com- program can-, can-, can be listened to uh, through MegiddaRadio.com or iTunes or Sermon Audio, just various different ways, uh, various different podcasting websites that you can listen to this through. Um, This program goes live, but for the last few months, I've not been able to settle a regular schedule, and it's been kind of usually Tuesday nights and usually around between 9 and 10 o'clock whenever I can squeeze it in. Usually right after I put the, the the children to bed, and <laughs> that's generally when uh, these programs usually happen. Now, let's get into it quickly because I don't want to. I, I do there's a lot to get through and there's a lot of there's a lot of material I want to play from Chris Volaton, and um, I think hopefully it'll be educational now from the get go who are Bethel Redding California Chris Voliton is the just him his proper title the man who I will be critiquing during this tonight's program he is the senior associate leader of Bethel Church Redding California so, he's one of the major leaders and prominent leaders, along with Bill Johnson. And um, he has written books. I'm not sure, exactly sure how many books he... I don't think he's written as many as Bill Johnson. He wrote the foreword to this book that I did a critique on, which shows that Bethel Redding, California, isn't exactly orthodox in a lot of different things. and um, But we'll get into that later. Um bethel Redding, California are probably, there's a danger here. Sometimes you think, ah, yeah, that's just California, that's just, that's just the nutty wings of the church and all this. Sadly, this stuff gets all over the church, and the stuff I'm going to be dealing with tonight is very, is a major prominent part, not just of Bethel-Renning, but of the charismatic movement in general. And I kind of want to show that the stuff that everybody rightly Lambas Joel is, is massively prominent in, within the charismatic movement. And it's better that we don't get wrapped up in personalities per se. More hopefully, we'll grasp concepts of God's sovereignty, how he is the one in control, um, and also false views of God's image that are within the charismatic movement. Now, if you listen to the program I did um, probably a few months ago now on Stephen Furtick, this will kind of, um, be kind of somewhat similar, but not exactly the same. Um, just to let people know before I get into it properly, get into the program properly and get into the, uh, the sermon we're going to critique properly. Um, there probably won't, there won't be a program at all. There definitely won't be a program at all next week. Lord willing, um, I probably won't get through everything tonight, but I'm hoping that by God's grace that um, this sermon, if there are any leftover parts that haven't been covered and I feel that they need to be covered, um, my preference is just to do this in one night. Although there is another one or two programs to do in Bethel on other people within Bethel. And I kind of want to. Document this because I I, I think um, a lot of people just don't take them seriously. This church, this movement, or Jesus culture, which is largely associated with them and kind of started out from them, destroys and has massive impact, not just in the United States, but all over the world. Even in Northern Ireland, there are there are lots of charismatic churches that teach things very, very similar to this. Well, you still live in Dublin, and there were churches down there who taught similar things to this. Things similar to the Law of Attraction. Now, I say similar to because there's going to have these slight variations in how they explain it, and so on and so forth. Anyway, so um, welcome anybody who's... Um, joining us in the chat room and, uh, feel free to say where you're from or anything else like that. And, uh, just my ask one thing, just keep the discussion civil and friendly. I, I, I don't even ask that you agree with me, but just keep it civil, keep it friendly. Okay. So start playing. Um, it's only an audio because it's been taken down from the Bethel Reading YouTube channel. It's on somebody else's channel. I think what they do is, in fairness to them, I'm not saying they took it down because of controversy. Perhaps they did, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it is. It seems like more they put up their live stream for a while, and then they take it down. But anyway, here here it is.
0: Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the image, into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Can we do it together? I'll read part of the verse, and then you repeat it. But we all, with unveiled face behold, beholding as in a mirror, the glory, the, spirit, the, glory the, Lord, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the same image from, glory, from glory, to glory to glory, just as from the Lord, from the, Lord the, spirit. the Spirit. This is really a powerful verse. How many know that you are? Okay, just
1: so you, just so you know, um, the verse that we will be in for a little bit of time, because unfortunately, there's a lot of hopping around in these kind of sermons, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 in the chapter in Second Corinthians chapter 3.
0: No longer a sinner when you receive Jesus Christ. Though you're actually a saint. You used to be a sinner, but how many know Second Corinthians five seventeen? 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a
1: new creation. All things are power. Past- Just not to let that by, I have done another program on Chris Vallotton's heresy on sinless perfectionism. Um, I don't know how many other people within Bethel teach that or believe that. I don't have any documentation for that what I'm dealing with tonight is that's a major problem but I've already dealt with that in other programs so I don't want to spend any time looking at that per se um, and it might sound also this audio just to let you know it might sound a little bit faster than normal it's 1.25 I'm just trying to get through a large amount of uh, material tonight and um, I think that's about as fast as I can play it really
0: and all things become new. That word new, as we've shared many times here, is the word prototype. It means you're the very first creature ever made in the image and likeness of God. How many understand when you when you look at, at Jesus, it's like looking in a mirror because you were made in his image, and he's reflecting back to you the image that you were made in. Are you with me? Part of the challenge is that anything that threatens to re-identify God will also re-identify me. How many you know
1: Um... No, uh, we have, yes, we've been created in God's image. God never changes. We do. Let us not make any effort to destroy the distinction between creator and the creation, between creature and the almighty, unchangeable creator. Before we really get into the nitty gritty of all this, don't mess that up, because that is. This is not an intellectual thing. Largely, what happens in a lot of, and not all, but in a lot of the charismatic movement in, in massive sections of it that have gone this far, there is an effort, or at least a kind of um. Not only is it we have the the spiritual gifts, we have these powers, we. And it goes so far in much of the charismatic movement to that you're in control of things and you are a little god on earth, an all-powerful being. And as time goes on, the distinction between the creator and the the creature get further and further blurred. It's not unique, by the way, to charismaticism. This happens in all false religion. This is when it goes towards being a false religion.
0: What it means to weather weathering storms in life means that God's real identity remains intact. We just went through a very difficult season here. If you're part of this Bethel, part of our Bethel family, whether you were here or or you're following us from a, a little bit from a distance and watching today, you know, we had a baby die, two year old die and, and uh, we we prayed for resurrection that didn't happen.
1: Um, I was go. I don't think I commented on that. And if I remember, a lot of people commented on it was th- that a- example is a tr- is a, an example of where bad theology can lead to bad practice and tragic events. And no matter what happens. They're able to spin it in a positive light. You know, say, so if you see any examples, especially in the Book of Acts, or of resurrection or healing, whatever, there's no attempt to do it. It just it happens. It it is done by the power of God, um, mighty signs and wonders, and we're never to think that they're the same as Christ's. But the it's such a let's never lose this tragedy of this small child dying, and rather than I don't know the full details or anything, rather than the, the the parents being able to grieve that, um, there's this now the the way it can be spun is oh look at all the interest, oh look at all the interest and the people praying when. You know, so oh, well, there's a positive aspect to it. Oh, well, everybody's coming together, everybody's praying, so that, therefore, it was a good thing anyway. Um, Kosti Hinn, who is Benny Hinn's nephew, I believe, he did a... him and another gentleman, whose name escapes me, I saw the video a couple of weeks ago, they did a very good video anyway, on just talking about some of the tactics, some of the things that are done, and uh, Kosti Hin knows very well, he was part of that machinery for many, many years, uh, part of the whole Hin empire. And um, it doesn't matter what comes out, what, whatever outcome comes out of a tragedy like that, a false prophecy, a realization that they can't raise the dead, and all this kind of stuff, they can spin it. Now let's not lose, and let's not be heartless, there was a heartbreaking tragedy that took place there. But it just shows you that pastoral care is not divorced from truth. It is not divorced from good, sound theology.
0: Obviously, she's in heaven, and we, we we're suffering the loss. Uh, one of the challenges we have when we weather a storm like that is, does it affect God's identity in us? In other words, do I see God different? Because how many know? Whenever I re-identify God in a negative way, I'm also re-identifying me because I'm mirroring the image of God. Are you? With-
1: now I don't want to be stopping it all the time, but here's the thing: if I redefine God, does it change God? No, it doesn't. It means I am false, and if I am wrong, if I break God's law, if if I have Strongholds raised against the knowledge of truth, I believe in false things, that is sinful, that is wrong. But does it ever change God? No, God is, God never suffers, God never changes, God is. The way I see God, does that define how God will see me? Now, to a limited extent, and I mean to an extremely limited sense, there's a sense, yes. But it goes much further than that. It's starting to be with Bethel, with Chris Volaton, with the other teachers associated, and I'm not just saying it started with them, that how you view yourself differently ultimately defines who you are and how you're seen by the creator. And as time goes on, this is no different to the I Am declarations of somebody like Joel Osteen. Because what determines who you are, what you are, and the way life turns out around you is on you and how you project yourself and how you reflect yourself. And your thoughts and your actions. It's essentially the law of law of attraction. But it sounds better. It's not as obvious as the Osteen. If anybody's joining on the program, because um, I think some people are joining a tiny bit later, and because I didn't give a ton of notice on on social media when the program was starting. Uh, Welcome to everybody joining. Um, Welcome, Benjamin and other people joining. Um, This program, it's dealing with Bethel Redding, California, kind of a... and their New Age teachings, and especially this sermon that came out a few weeks ago called Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. And um, my argument, by the way, is not because they used a kind of a cringy title like mirror mirror on the wall. Therefore it's, uh, <laughs> it's the cult. I'm not making any argument based on that whatsoever. Cringy titles aside, whatever it's references aside. Um, anyway, let's continue.
0: So if I go through something like that and, and I, I begin to say, well, you know, God, God doesn't care. God made that happen. You know, you just never know how God's going to behave. And, and next time I enter a challenge or crisis, I realize that I've reduced my faith in God to something I can do or something I can anticipate. Help me understand, whenever I reduce God, I actually reduce me.
1: No. When you, if you have a false view of God and if you, bring, you sin against God, God never changes. And the only thing that, the thing that will change is you will be, you will be sinner. Well, we're born sinners. Let's get this straight. You're born sinners. If you are outside of Christ Jesus, you were under the wrath of God because in Adam all die, but in Christ all should be made alive. But, This is all the power of thought. This it, it, there's nothing about very little to t- t- anything to do with repenting of sin, placing a trust in Jesus Christ. It's all about how you view you. And let's not reduce God because that will impact you. Um you No, know, we cannot change who God is. I cannot. Imagine up in a way that will magnify me. It's a little bit, to try and explain it a little bit, It's I, a lot of people have read the Rick Warren books. And you know, in, in The Purpose Driven Life, he says at the beginning of the book, it's not about you. And then the rest of the book is about you and how whenever you choose something and you, you go into your shape, God is happy. So the glorifying of God in Rick Warren's mind is you doing what you like to do. And when you're happiest, it's a little bit like that. Um, It sounds like it's about magnifying God, but it's really not. It's really about you shaping your reality and making it sound theologically orthodox as possible.
0: Point, Chris. Too late. (laughs) I believe the cry for identity is at the root of so much pain and dysfunction. What I see when I look in the mirror, when no one else is defining me
1: for me, is... And uh, My point is, and if I haven't made it clear, what you think about you is irrelevant. If what if you look in the mirror and you see a cat, it doesn't make you a cat. This whole thing about identity—you you are who you are. If you're not saved to Christ Jesus, you're a sinner. If and you need to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ, what your opinion of that? There's a sense in which it's irrelevant. Now, of course. By God's grace, we hope, those who are in Christ Jesus, hope that you are outside of Christ, will be changed, that your mind will be changed, that you'll turn from death unto life, Will turn from a hatred of righteousness to a love of God's law. So you can say with the psalmist in Psalm 119, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Yeah. But that thinking doesn't shape, isn't the, what shapes our reality. It's, you see, the danger here is what they do, and plenty other people as well, is the way God says, let there be light. It becomes like that for man too. He just says, let there be whatever it is, and then that you become that. Again, very very similar to the whole Joel Osteen. You know, he wrote a book. Didn't he write a book Seven I or something like that? Um, years ago, he put out a, a sermon that ended up on Oprah's Life Class. This is back in two thousand and twelve. Was seen about three and a half million times. Uh, I think this is Oprah's own YouTube channel. It's called Own O W N. The power of I am. If we get time later on, we'll look at that. But anyway, it's the same thing to me.
0: What I see when I look in the mirror, when no one else is defining me for me, is crucial to me. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. And I actually did a whole series called um, Learning to Think on on Romans chapter 12 and uh, uh, some other verses. But verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Isn't that-
1: now, before we get into it, what does that verse mean? Do not be conformed to the world. Don't think like the world. Don't be like the world. Don't follow the way of the heathen. Don't follow their sinful, rebellious ways. Do not love the world or the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Rebellion against God. This fallen, sinful world in terms of ethical rebellion against God don't follow that but be changed yourself by the renewing of your mind being changed and conformed to the image of Christ be more and more like him yeah we're commanded to be more and more like Christ because Christ is the standard now let's see how he explains it
0: amazing don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by renewing of your mind how many know you can't change your life how many you've tried that already? But if you change your mind, he'll change your life.
1: You have more I suppose just sloppy um he'll change your life. Um how? And uh, we got to be careful about that. And I don't want to be nitpicking on every single thing cuz obviously the, the sermon's not great. But when we say God will change your life, yes, but how? explain how. You will have new affections, new desires. You'll no longer love the things you once loved. You'll you'll no longer love your sin. You'll now love righteousness. But as a friend of mine once pointed out, we were chatting about this one time over coffee. There's a sense in which your, your problems, your troubles have only just begun. A Christianity that promises you an easy life Is a deficient, a defective Christianity? Just like Moses, the face of Moses was this: to choosing rather to suffer with the people of God, than what? Than the pleasures of sin for a season. that Hebrews eleven twenty six, I think, uh, twenty five, twenty six. There's suffering.
0: conversations with yourself than anyone else. We just talked about that. And what you say to yourself matters. What you say to yourself matters. And so, uh, I, you know, I, we, we used to have, I think this is around three years ago, we had a, a, a gal in our, town, in, our, in our neighborhood, not a very big gal, probably maybe 100 pounds gal, a very small one woman. And she had two Mastiff dogs. I think they're called Mastiffs. Is that what you call them? There's huge dogs. Like, we have a dog that weighs about 115, 120 pounds. This dog was massively bigger than our dogs. Two of them. And she would take them for a walk. She would take them, quote, for a walk (laughs) down our street pretty nearly every morning. At least I saw her many times in the morning. And they would be dragging this little 100-pound girl, lady, down the street, and they would go from yard to yard, peeing on their lawns, (laughs) pooping in their driveways, and she'd be trying to get them back into the street. And that reminds me of how so many of us think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I'm not sure about the analogy, because it's like, if what if she just thought, oh, she was stronger than the dogs, and that changed the personality of these big, massive dogs that are pulling her all over the place? Um, if this is your analogy she obviously couldn't control the dogs. Um, What, are you supposed to just talk? And anyway, the analogy just simply doesn't work. (laughs) See, the question is, are you
0: controlling your thoughts or are they controlling you? See, the challenge is, I think that for the challenge for so many of us, and I have to tell you, this was my challenge for many years. I'm not perfect at it to this day, but.
1: It's a very man-centered way to look at things, by the way. when you, We should be, in Christ Jesus, our thoughts should be directed by, not that I'm in control of my thoughts. I'm not approaching this statement, that's heresy or anything like that. I'm just talking about in terms of, there's stuff in this sermon, that's sloppy, that's heresy. Um, we dealt with some of the heresy earlier on, with some of the, the, the sinless uh, perfectionism stuff. This is sloppy. Um, I'm going to try and give as much benefit of the doubt as possible. It gets difficult sometimes. But um, we should be seeking to biblically define how we live. And we want to be submitted more and more The image of Christ. We want our thoughts to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not us. The Holy Spirit. Again, I'll put that under the sloppy category, but
0: much better is that we don't we haven't, you know, we haven't dog trained our brains. (laughs) Like, every day is a walk, and we wake up sometimes with anxiety, like, I don't even know what my mind's going to think today. I'm like, I'm a prisoner to what my mind thinks. Instead of saying, you know, Second Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 10 says, take every thought captive. How many know those thoughts?
1: How do you take every thought captive? Again, I'm going to put this under the, the sloppy category, because to be honest, a lot of the times, look, there's times when Godly people can not explain things well from the pulpit. This can happen, by the way. And we've got to be careful when we're doing critiques like this that we don't like because, obviously, I'm not a big fan of Chris Voliton. I've, (laughs) again, this book, uh, if you're watching McGuido TV live, you can see this, The Physics of Heaven. It it is pure New Age from start to finish. He writes the foreword at the beginning. It is basically a, a Bethel production from start to finish Various articles from different people. In page 49 of the book, one of the contributors basically says, you know why the New Age and many of the practices that we engage in are so similar? Well, you know, the New Age, they stole from us and we should take it back. I'm not kidding. Uh, he says in page 49, um, he says, with all this talk about counterfeit and authentic, by now you, you may be scratching your head, hoping for examples. The best example I have found are in the New Age movement. They have trafficked in the church's stolen goods for a long time. Again, you don't have to look far. This book is... It reminds me of Lucius Trust New Age stuff. It does not remind me of Christianity at all. And it has contributions from Bill and Benny Johnson and a host of other people connected with or heavily associated with. And to my knowledge, it is still sold on their website. And they like it.
0: Supposed to be my prisoner. I'm not theirs. But what happens is, is that oftentimes, instead of being transformed, I am being conformed to the image of the world because
1: I don't actually take control of my thoughts. I don't even know I'm supposed to and meditation for Again, how are you supposed to take thoughts captive? Um, during my preaching trials, which was what date was that? Start of January. One of the reasons there hasn't been a lot of programs lately. It's uh preaching trials a few weeks ago. And I was, my text was on Joshua chapter six. Wonderful. To go into that text um, was a real blessing to go into that and just a real blessing to my soul. It wouldn't have been a, a text that would have jumped out at me, something I would have preached them before, but I'm so glad I did. And um, it was on the fall of, of Jericho, um, God's people, uh, just after passing over the Jordan, and they go in against this mighty fortress. And as many of you probably know they go around the city for six days and on the seventh day they go around seven times, etc. and so on. But why did they have victory? Now, they were told by Joshua to not shout. They were supposed to shout um, and then the walls would come down. And I went through in that passage, Joshua chapter six, that how did they have victory? Well, they were trusting God's promises. They had faith. They trusted God. Who who gave them the victory? Actually, the start of Joshua chapter 6 is very clear that God gave them the victory even before they'd gone out. It was very clear, I think it was in verse 2, God has given them the victory. If you're going to have victory over strongholds raised against the knowledge of the truth in your spiritual walk, the only way you're going to have victory is in the Lord, by submitting to him. In Joshua chapter 6, the Ark of the Covenant goes with God's people. Now, they get kind of self-confident in Joshua chapter 7. They fall in the Battle of Ai. Um, They just kind of go, ah, send a few thousand up. We'll win anyway. They were just after this big victory over Jericho, this enemy fortress. and in Joshua chapter 6, they go with, the Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence dwelt, between the the two cherubims. So how, again, just, this is not going to do justice to that at all. Um, If you want more on that, it's on the the sermons on Sermon Audio, uh, I think it's called Pulling Down Enemy Strongholds. You can find it on the Megiddo Radio channel on Sermon Audio. But Submitting to God. Spiritually preparing your soul. And again, I'll I'll still put this under the sloppy category because it it sounds like pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. If you do that, if you do pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, as it it were, and you say, I'm going to have control over my thoughts. I'm going to control, I, me, 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 me. Well, you're going to have the same problem that God's people had when they faced AI and they fell and they were humiliated. Self-confidence. That's how we have victory. That's how we have victory over the enemy. Trusting God, trusting God's promises, spiritually preparing our heart. Joshua chapter 5. They partake in the sacraments of circumcision. These are the Old Testament sacraments at the time. Circumcision and um, Passover. Submitting to God. He He's the one who has victory. And, and you just don't hear that. And it's frustrating. And again, I put this under the sloppy. You know, there's, maybe we create two categories here. Heretical, sloppy. I would not do it critique on something sloppy. Lots of sloppy stuff in the church. And we're, we're all guilty of it. Some of us from the pulpit, some of us in casual talk or whatever else it is. Uh, we shouldn't be. How do we change? How do we get our minds out? How do we pull down strongholds? It's submitting to Christ and having our mind changed by God's word. He's the one who gives the victory, not us people is like
0: giving the dog something that would calm them down for a little bit you know i'm like I give the dog give the dog some treats so he won't bother me today and i what i mean by that metaphorically speaking is i keep my brain busy with some stuff like maybe i you know go to the movies and maybe i i get involved in porn or i'm doing stuff to feed the dog because i don't actually know how to train him and what the dog needs, metaphorically speaking, is a shock collar. We'll call it a training collar. Sounds so much better. <laughs> my brain needs to be trained, if can I say, transformed. Because right now it's conformed and the world is telling my brain what to think. <laughs> I went to a men's retreat. It was really powerful. There's about 3,000, 4,000 men there. In Florida, and the the main speaker, he said this. Men go to the gym every day to work out their body, but they don't take 10 minutes to pray. They have a $100,000 body and a 20-cent spirit. (laughs) I hate to say it, but we're probably all guilty on some level. Like, we spend all our time working out or doing whatever it is we want, and wonder why the dogs do whatever they want, and we're a prisoner to them.
1: Sorry, and muted that. It's not like that. There isn't work in a Christian life. There is, but it is it is the work of God, the Spirit of God that changes. And again, it is not that we're passive and we do nothing. Um, sanctification, we do work, but it is a work of the Spirit of God. It is a cooperation. Um, but at the same time, who gives us the victory? In these spiritual battles, um, this is this is talking about sanctification. Now. This is talking about growing in holiness, and it's a it's incredible because for all the for for the reality that it, it is by God, it is by God's grace, it is by the Spirit of God that we are changing and conformed to Him. Scarcely any mention of that, and it, it, if you were just listening to this opening part, you think, well, well, it's all in your hands, and and a lot of religion today can just sound like, you know, imagine if you're struggling and your sin and you listen to that, and you're having a rough time and just be deflated. And the people who are left are going to be who? people are kind of puffed up and think they're they're having victory. And actually what they're doing is really getting puffed up with pride. I'm not saying that every single person in Bethel is puffed up with pride. I'm not saying that every single person in Bethel is a lost heathen or anything. No, I'm I'm not saying that at all. I have no idea. I'm not making any judgment call. If you are a born again believer, get out of Bethel. I started getting interested in Bethel years ago because Nabil Qureshi, before he tragically passed away, he started getting involved in this stuff. Don't, you know, it drives me nuts sometimes. People just think that their little corner of the church isn't affected by this. Absolute nonsense.
0: Maybe I should do this and Bill's gone. <laughs> just, I did that for Bill. How you feel is not how you are. And how you feel is not who you are. I'm trying to say, feelings are great servants but terrible masters. Allowing my mind to generate thoughts through my feelings. In other words, I feel bad, so let's have some thoughts about that. How about this? I feel bad, so let's have some thoughts about what God thinks. Joshua chapter 1, we also... this,
1: And this is when God's thoughts come in. It's like, oh, let's hear how wonderful I am. Now, yes, God loves his people because of Christ. And, and if we are... There's, there's a certain half-truth here. If we do feel rubbish and deflated as a Christian what should we do? We should immediately return to the promises of God. But sadly, this is not where it gets pointed back to at all. Promises of God, to be a God unto you and to your children. When God says to his people, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. No matter what you're going through, all things, whether they be difficult or easy or whatever else serve a purpose in the providential plan of God. There's nothing outside of God's control. But rather than say that, it's, well, just, we can think of good things. To, and God almost becomes like a kind of a the third commandment, along with many other commandments, just using God as a kind of a genie.
0: It's all part of this uh, series that we did on thinking like god why don 't you turn to uh, chapter one, verse eight, um, and this is God interacting with Joshua, and Moses has died, and God is talking to Joshua about taking moses place and one of the things Joshua encounters in this message of God with God is god says i 'm going to be with you as I was with Moses.' And if I'm Joshua, I'm like, Moses failed. (laughs) Have you ever thought through that? God's like, I want to reassure you, just like I was with Moses. Moses died without going into the promised land. He failed. God's like, and I'm going to be with
1: you. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, well, it's blasphemous, but we'll move on. Have the three of you talked about this?
0: But he goes on, and it's really powerful, and we're not going to take on that that whole chapter. But, you know, this is the chapter where God says three or four times, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, dismayed, or depressed. And God gives him this great exhortation. But I want us to actually settle on verse 8 for this morning. Look what it says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now, what, I love this verse, and, and, I, and I realize that we're taking this verse out of context and doing what we do sometimes, overemphasizing it, but I... <laughs>
1: uh, does that require a comment? Um, yeah, I realize we're taking things out of context. Yeah, that's sinful, wrong, and um, we shouldn't do that even with a novel. Or some of these comments in the media. but This book of the law should not depart from your mouth. And you'll meditate upon it. Basically this. um, You will speak God's truth. Joshua. Is the spokesperson. You could say. For God. To his people. He's the mediator now. He's the successor of Moses. and you'll meditate upon it, you'll think and meditate upon God's word. This never comes up, hardly, when people talk about verses like this.
0: You know that God was making Joshua successful. But in this particular verse, God says, that if you meditate on my word, think about my word, talk about my word, and do my word, then you will make your way successful. In other words, God isn't saying, if you do this, I'll do that which God does often, right? Reciprocity. If you give, I will give to you. Here he says, if you meditate, if you meditate, you will make your way successful and you will be prosperous. How many would like to be prosperous? Okay. And those of you that didn't raise your hand, don't ask us for money. (laughs) Just want to be clear. Lord note the people who wanted to be poor in here. You preaching the prosperity gospel and you're asking me for money to go on mission trips. So stop.
1: Um, prosperity in the Old Testament and in other sense can mean temporal, but what's even greater prosperity or victory over the enemy, uh, spiritual victory? Um, again, thinking of the pulling down of the walls of Jericho. the law of God is far, far better than gold and silver. It may include that at times and various points in history, it may, you know, for people like Job, but it may not. Because, because spiritual treasure, treasure in heaven, is far, far greater than the... The temporary wealth of someone like, I don't know, Donald Trump or something like that. That's nothing, comparatively speaking, with heavenly treasure. <laughs> anyway, I threw that in there. That
0: was extra. <laughs> the word meditate here is really interesting. The word meditate, one of the words, one of the main words for the word meditate is the word growl. Growl. In fact, let me read it to you in in context. In in context, Isaiah 31.4, For thus says the Lord to me, as a lion or a young lion growls over its prey. That word growl, it's...
1: Without going to the verse, that is incredibly irresponsible. Um you're going to a completely different context. And anyone with the tiniest grasp of Hebrew realizes the meaning of a Hebrew word can change quite dramatically depending on the context of a word. Some Hebrew words can can be used thousands of times in the Old Testament and mean things... I mean, you can see why they mean different things in different places... But he's talking about a lion, yeah. Lion growls, like thinks. It's it's just not wise, is all I'm saying, to do something like this. Not the
0: root word, it's the same word, meditate. I, I don't know about you, but when someone says meditate, I sort of picture in the you know right to the right side of the definition in the
1: dictionary. It means think, meditate day and night. It is. It's in Psalm 119 verse 97. It to think about it, to meditate upon it, go over and over and over again. one talks about meditating upon the law of God to think about it. Very, very simple. There's not really much to it.
0: Guy with his legs crossed, you know, rocking and humming.
1: <laughs>
0: what are you doing? I'm emptying my mind. You're, you're, you opened your mind up so much your brain fell out. You know, it's like That's not, (laughs) sorry, if I offended you.
1: If anybody, look, if anybody to try and, this is just to fill up time, is being, a lot of time, you know, you just see people who try to be comedians in the pulpit. They're just trying to fill up time. There should be a reverential awe of God in the pulpit. And sadly, it's not just in charismatic circles that that there's been a massive failure in this area for decades now. Um. I meant to. (sighs)
0: Streaming, when I stream, when we stream, I proactively offend you. (sighs) Listen, that's not biblical meditation on a serious note. That is not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is not passively emptying my mind. Biblical meditation is actually filling my mind with God thoughts. Biblical meditation is actually like a lion growls over its prey. It's, in other words, aggressively, proactively. I am actually taking thoughts. I'm taking bad ones captive. I'm in charge of... Some bit of truth, finally. My my mind is not in charge of me. And I tell my mind, we will not be thinking
1: that today. We will be thinking... It's amazing that... turning something... that... For us to be changed and conform requires God. He puts man again in the driving seat over and over again. Meditate. Oh yeah, thinking. Finally, we've got we we settled upon it. Go 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 go. You know, thinking about it. And how are we able? How do we even want to think about it? How do we say, "Oh Lord, how I love Your law"? By God's Spirit, by God's grace. He changes that to be. Oh, you see that? Where we're you're gonna take captive? You're you're gonna tell your mind. Well, oh, we're gonna do this. Oh, yeah. I. hope people can see the difference?
0: And as the lion growls over its prey, I begin to I begin to bulldoze
1: new neural pathways, if you will. To- I I I I I did this. I did that. I Pfft. Bulldo- Odd thoughts
0: when I wake up in the morning thinking, you know, bad things are gonna to happen today. I don't know, nothing really good. I go, Oh no, we will not be just you are going to prison.
1: <laughs> when I think, uh, Oh, bad things are going to happen today, let's remind yourselves of I want to talk to you today about the power of I am. What follows these two simple words will determine what kind of life you live. I am blessed, I am strong. I am healthy,
0: or I am slow, I am unattractive, I am a terrible mother. The I am's that are coming out of your mouth will bring either success or failure.
1: Sound a little bit more familiar. Um, the difference is, Joel Osteen doesn't wrap it up. And... Um, Joel Osteen gets straight into it in page one. It's like, whoa, he's not even teaching anything close to Christianity. It's much the same, but it's there's a little bit more unpacking when you get to Chris Vollatin. Now, okay, we're back to Chris Vallatin. Second ago, by the way, that person, if you're wondering who is that speaking, that's Joel Osteen. You're are you with
0: me? Yeah. You're staying in the kennel today. Bark all you want, but we aren't listening. And we'll be going this way today. All things work together for good. For, for God, those who love God are called according to His purpose. That would be me. Good things are going to happen today. If they don't happen today, they'll be happening tomorrow. But they're going to happen sometime this week. Why? Because God said so. I was created for good works. And therefore, you getting the idea? All through the day, the power of I am is at work. We make a mistake. I am so clumsy. We look in the mirror. I am so old.
1: Uh, so, and, I, and I'm not trying to argue here. Hey, just because it's like Joel Wolstein, but.
0: <laughs> you you know, probably are familiar with the story in Genesis chapter 30 because we've told the story for a lot of years. It's the story of Jacob.
1: And, uh, okay, I'm going to skip forward here and I think I think we're actually going to be able to finish it tonight. Um skipping ahead to the 33 minute mark, you can if you do want to listen f- for context and everything else. Um this has been the best way I've found of the sermon kind of doesn't really have a logical flow. Kind of jumps around the place. There's kind of parts that it doesn't have a, much of a structure. So it, it is somewhat difficult to but the best way i've found to do it anywhere at least in my mind is um so we did the first 13 minutes we're going to go 20 minutes later uh, 33 minutes into it and we're going to do probably the next seven minutes of the sermon dealing with some of the problems especially when it is theology of god's image
0: i'm saying when my work comes out of The identity of Jesus, how many know it gives me access to the holy place? The priests were washing in the identity of Christ. They were looking in a mirror, and that mirror was actually, if you will, you know, people say, oh, you go to Bethlehem, you're going to get brainwashed. Yes, that's the idea. You get your brain washed. (laughs) You wash your brain in the identity of Christ, because that gives you ability to do stuff with your hands and do stuff with your feet you're actually representing christ when you're looking in the mirror instead of looking at yourself you're looking at christ in the mirror and it changes the way you work are you with me
1: and uh, just to point out whenever they say oh look towards christ and a lot of, a lot of the charismatics on all a lot of charismatics look towards the bible and say oh look the bible says i can do this it's merely a launch pad to where they want to go. The the charismatic movement often takes the Bible and launches from there, often with poor exegesis, to somewhere else where they want to be. They don't want to stay in the scriptures. And much the same with, oh, we want to look to Christ. Yeah. In order that you can get to somewhere else, whatever your success is, and you're using Christ as a means to an end rather than the mediator between you and the Father in heaven.
0: James chapter 1, if you'll turn there, verse 21. James wrote this, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word and plant it, which is able to save your souls. Listen, to the next verse. But prove yourself doers, everybody say doers, doers of the word and not merely hearers, who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately has forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man should be blessed in everything he does.
1: Very quickly, um, being changed again, sanctification, turning from sin, hiding the law of God in our hearts, being changed more and more, and then it says a doer of the word. Because if you're not a doer of the word, if it is just merely in the head, are you? Are you really, truly repenting and being changed? No, it's merely hypocrisy. If you learn, for example, that it is wrong to steal but it doesn't affect your habits in regards to theft or anything else like that. Um, For example, look, I'll give you an example. I remember years ago, first year I was saved, on the first editing softwares, um, and this is something I did all the time, and I never thought anything of it. I remember there was a code. I never really paid for software. There was all these, oh, here's a code to unlock this. And I remember somebody asking me six months later, oh, oh yeah, how much was that? I was like, uh, I was um got convicted and eventually went and paid for the the software. Okay, it was theft, it was wrong. But this is all the stuff we do, especially as new converts or whatever else, and we don't realize it is theft, it is wrong, it is stealing. Often, to be honest, a lot of it happens with Christian ministry sometimes, and there's Things been taken and distributed without their permission. Ask for the permission. Now, my stuff, I don't care. Work away, do whatever you want with it. Just don't sell it. But what? how should that impact us? We should be doers of the word and repent of that. So, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And repent of it. Being a doer of the word varies. I don't want to say simple, but there's fruit... In repentance, there is a change in behavior. Now, will, there, will we fail? Yes. We should be gracious with others as they grow. And sometimes for your brother, you have to be patient with them as they grow. It might be for your brother who's growing in Christ, two steps forward, 1.95 steps back. And it may be frustrating, but don't lose hope with them. Don't lose hope with them. Be as patient as possible.
0: Love this because James says if you look in a mirror what we've been talking about that mirrors Christ and you you're a hearer you're if you will a seer but you walk away from there and you're not a doer that you actually forget who you are but when you look in the mirror and you remind yourself, I was created for glory. <laughs> I am no longer a sinner, but a saint. And you
1: and yeah, there's a sense of forgottenness. You kind of, you forget what you've been saved from, things that, again, there's a lot of these things is half-truths.
0: And to say, I am generous because he is generous. I am powerful because he is powerful. I am kind because he is kind. And we go through these, this exercise of, I remind myself of who he is. And re- Did
1: you hear that? I am kind because he is kind. That's the that's a large amount of the charismatic movement. That's what they think of God's image. Now, when we fall, when when mankind fell in Adam, right? What happened to the image of God? Was it completely obliterated? No, it was defaced. It was it was marred. Yes. Now mankind held the truth and the righteousness and suppressed the truth and the righteousness, Romans 1.18. And then when a person is born again, that image is renewed and we have being changed and conformed more and more being changed more and more to the image of Christ Jesus. This side of eternity, do we get there in our practice? In our No. But you see, it also ties in with what we we're talking about earlier. He's he's his theology of well, we're not sinners. So when he comes before God, he just sounds like the Pharisee from Luke chapter eighteen. I thank you, God, that you have made me kind and generous, and I just have to remind myself of how amazing I am. The New Age, by the way, teaches exactly the same thing. We just have we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten. We are sentient beings and we have a spark of divinity in front of us and we have all this potential. We just need to remind ourselves of how amazing mankind is and you hear You're different versions of it all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a gospel of human potential because of God getting you from point A to point B and almost treating him like a springboard but sadly, that's what it is. Rather than repenting and saying, I am a sinner, I need to be changed, I need the grace of God to be, to hate that sin more, and to love Christ more, and to, to be in awe of his word, and we hide it in our hearts. That it makes us wiser than our enemies. As it talks about in Psalm 119, I was, for devotions, (laughs) in class this morning, I was doing Psalm 119, and it has been a wonderful blessing. I think it's in verse 98, 99, about 100. We face enemies. How do we face them? We face them with God's law. God's Word, God's Truth, God's Wisdom. How does Bethel and much of the... This is... Don't think that this is just the Bethel issue. Don't think that this is just the California issue. This is not just... This is in Australia with Hillsong, variations of it. This is in... This is all over the island of Ireland as well. And as long as, here's the thing, right? As long as somebody's going to a a church that's called Christian, as long as the name of Jesus is mentioned, as long as somebody says, I follow Jesus, then that's good enough for most people. That's good enough for the Western church today. And that's where the conversation stops. That's as deep as it gets. And when that happens, we're in a whole boatload of trouble.
0: back who i am and i go to the coffee shop the next morning i just i i got up in the morning I, i looked in the mirror if you will i looked in the mirror of his presence i remind myself of the attributes of god those attributes are mine and then i'm standing in line for coffee and i go
1: oh the attributes of god are the attributes of mine you don't see the problem with that here's the scary thing this stuff is popular There is a sense, I want to also put this in as well. The second table of the law is to love your neighbor as yourself. There is a sense in which we are to show love towards ourselves, by the way. I've been thinking about this the last couple of years. There is a, a self esteem making an idol of yourself. I am wonderful. I am. It sounds like he's, you know, hey, keep going that direction. You'll just fall down and worship yourself. At that, a, lot, a lot of New Agers believe that. And it's like, oh, You know, you go around, you see all these other people who don't believe that they're sinners either and go, oh, look at this kind, wonderful. He has exactly the same attributes as God. What blasphemy. Of course, there is a distinction. Yeah, we're supposed to be imitators of God. We're supposed to be like God, but we're not to be omnipresent, all-knowing. We're never going to be this side of eternity like him. In his moral attributes. Now in, in glory. After glorification. Yes. We won't sin anymore. I like to. Point out to people. Who want to believe in free will. The sight of eternity. There won't be any free will in heaven. You won't, won't be able to sin. You won't want to sin. Isn't that wonderful? Because if you did sin. you could, you know There's no sin in heaven. so. But I digress. There is, you will, and you're not a prisoner, you will only want to do holy things in conformity to what? God's character, God's nature, God's law. Things that are pleasing before God. The greatest saints who have ever walked this earth, the holier they've gotten, the lower the opinion that they've had of themselves. Whoa, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Does this sound like the attitude of the Bethels of this world? I just have to remind myself how amazing I I can't remember, there was like a, years ago, there was like a New Age quote that was floating around and I, I can't remember where it came from, but it was just like, I think it was something like, if we could just understand who we are and all this kind of stuff, then we'd all bow down before each other. There are communicable attributes. We are to be, we are to be loving. We are to be kind. We are to be generous. We are to be um To love our neighbor as ourselves. All this kind of stuff. But we are not like God. We are not eternal beings. We were created. We are finite. We are but worms before God. And that has been lost. Because a lot a lot of the charismatic movement is about human potential and how amazing you can get and what plateau you can get to and where you can go and your ministry and your gifts and all this. It, it gets so man-centered, it will invariably get here eventually. Because it's not focused on God much of the time. Now, that is not to say that they're not godly charismatics who would not put us to shame sometimes with their zeal to, to witness and share the gospel. I, I often, sometimes in the, we, we, sometimes we're, we're reformed Christians, we were poor at sharing the gospel. We're so in the minutiae, and look, we should be important about doctrine and that, uh, but we make that a sinful excuse and we almost like retreat into our little pockets or whatever like that. Um, whereas, Again, look. There's a lot of false teaching. There's a lot of problems in the charismatic movement. But I've I've met charismatics and very zealous going out. I remember I knew somebody years ago. She would go to young people, teenagers, and give them tracks. What was this? I think there was some e- I, mean, I can't remember exactly what day of the week it was. Give out tracks and witness to the same group. I think she went with a couple of other guys. Just off her own bat. I think she was charismatic too. Kinda of continuationless all this kind of stuff. But let's just not think that the problems are only on their side, but let's not ignore these problems either.
0: pay for the next three people in line. And I pay for the next three people in line, and I leave there feeling so good about myself. You know why? Because I acted out my identity. And James says there is an ecosystem. I think it, I do it. When I do it, it makes me think more of how good I am, how good he is, and then I I think it, and
1: I do it. and then- I think more of how good I am. Bethel does not teach christianity and again i know you might think what is the point of this isn't this just i'm sorry guys but there might might be some people who have never darkened the door of a church like this there's churches like this all over the place I think in Northern Ireland we're really blessed to have a lot of good sound Reformed churches, but that's changing quickly, and it's it's not going in the right direction. Let's let's not be let's not be naive. Some wonderful preachers up in Northern Ireland. To be honest, you know, over the last couple of decades, um, David Silversides the, the who passed away there recently, was minister of and Reformed Presbyterian Church, but also people like Ted Donnelly, who's. Um, my professor, in New Testament. There are... So, uh, some... I don't know what it's like in the United States. I've been to the United States in well over 10 years. I know that sometimes, you know, you raise this... And you, how is it important? as I see people who are raised in reformed churches in name and their children have gone off to the charismatic church down the road. The parents don't mind because they think, well, at least they're going to a church. At least they're going somewhere. They may not like our church, but okay. The charismatic movement, when not every single charismatic church is like this, this is a huge amount of it. Massive amount of it. And I would venture to, I don't know what percentage. But it is so toxic. It is not safe. I get, look, I, well, I do love, and I, there's times, I go, you know, this individual charismatics, and you think, wow, look at their... They're so zealous for evangelism. Great things like that. But at the same time, we cannot trust. Especially if you're a shepherd of the sheep. Don't start doing evangelism with them. I get the temptation. I'm not saying one-on-one, perhaps every now and again. But you've got to protect your people. We cannot think... I mean, if you go back throughout history, the Zwicko prophets and a lot of the Anabaptists and during the Reformation, reactionary, schismatic, things like that. Look, if if individuals want to come along and help out with the evangelism, give out tracts, wonderful. But what I'm saying is don't be joining, you know, when a Reformed church is going to work hand in hand with some Pentecostal church. Mm, be careful with that because you're kind of setting it, A trend for an acceptance of a lot of these practices I can have coffee with these people love them but there's major major problems here and there's a lot of this what we've been dealing with in this program within the movement, too much of it I'm actually going to spend probably the next few weeks going through different things from Bethel because a lot of the times people say, oh, well, don't people know? No, they don't. It's it's not documented. People aren't, I think people aren't really interested. I think in, in reform circles, and I'm not saying that there isn't a place, of course there is, you know, dealing with the anti-rights and sometimes people do critiques of Timothy Keller, much needed to do critiques of him, not reading him, but do critiques of him. Um, if you know what I mean. Um But I'll also put this caveat as well. We Don't look for your minister to be doing what I'm doing or anything like that. If he is doing this in the pulpit, I that's not a good thing. If you look at... And I'm not saying I'm the model or anything else like that, but I don't preach about this stuff. People of... <laughs> Chris Voliton... Nobody's ever heard of Chris Voliton in Northern Ireland, so I'm not going to bring him up, okay? I'm bringing him up for... Various people that might help, possibly people in Northern Ireland as well. Don't, because I can think of people emailing me, oh, my pastor won't deal with, it. Is, he expo- is he expositing the scriptures? And there might be a place, for a forum, in order to deal with dangers that are impacting locally, but he may not feel... C- called to deal with things that are dealing with the global church and all this kind of stuff but I would say this the principles that should underline and refute these errors should be dealt with the public That's I would just urge caution there
0: the, the, if you will the ecosystem of reciprocity in my identity is I think it but I do it and when I do it I think it and when I think it I do it, and when I do it, I think it, and suddenly, not suddenly, over time, I become confident in my identity in Christ, because I didn't just think it, I acted it out. One of the challenges
1: that... And this is pretty much the law of attraction. I was watching a video there yesterday about a number of things people talk about the law of attraction. People will talk about, and I'll just give you a brief illustration that I've heard time and time again from several different people. So this is just from one person, but we'll talk about the law of attraction. They'll say, well, you want a red Mercedes. Well, don't just think about it. Don't just visualize it and, and dream about it and meditate upon it. You've also got to go and be active about it. Put it into action. guy um, was talking about how it's like mythology. Just think it's just going to happen. You Maybe even go to the showroom and sit in a red Mercedes and imagine driving around and then put all the things in place in order to getting that. The law of attraction is complete occult. Many Hollywood actors believe in it. A lot of sports stars believe in it. Just type in the law of attraction. Um, Famous proponent of it is actually someone like Conor McGregor the um, UFC star. Now, Conor McGregor is like one of the worst role models on planet Earth. But, apart from, he does promote this, and obviously I'm not saying it's good. Um, Famous actors like Denzel Washington, um, I think Oprah Winfrey, does she... gonna try and remember Steve Harvey who's kind of a Christian comedian he's kind of popped up in various Christian media circles over the years but it's a law of attraction repackaged
0: have we're working among the poor a lot this church by the way, it's very involved. We were just with the police chief uh, two days ago talking about how to help the homeless and the poor. And part of the challenge is, is that we, we, we get ideas that uh, they sound awesome. Like what the homeless people need is houses. Can we all agree? Of course. But before you give them a house, you have to give them an identity. Because if you take a pauper and you put them in a palace, they'll make the palace a prison. You will always reproduce the environment around you that you believe, that you believe you have within you.
1: But and You see, even with the pauper, and your mind and you produce it and you act it out. And Again, it's the law of attraction. Surprisingly, it got through all of that. Um, any... Just give a look at the chat room, see if there's any... Um, Any questions? Uh, Somebody's bringing up how Bethel is massive in South America. And look, it'll be something else. We've got to stop exporting the charismatic movement. We've got to stop putting... I think sometimes we're just happy that anybody's preaching the gospel, and we're how many poor places around the world end up promoting this illegitimate pseudo-Christianity. And again, look, some of my views years ago were fairly somewhat, I wouldn't even say charismatic, somewhat charismatic. I think everybody's views are somewhat charismatic when they start off. And if you know somebody, I'm not saying, no. Try and encourage them in the right direction, just like anybody else. I have friends who are not reformed, things like that, of course. But surely we can't just kind of go, you know what? That stuff doesn't matter anymore. It does. It does. and It's attack upon Sola Scriptura and often upon the gospel itself. It's been Paul Flynn. May God bless you all.